You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms. We all know that the human body comes in all different shapes and sizes. However, most firearms do not. That is why Savage Arms has rolled out their AccuFit system on the 110 platform. AccuFit uses interchangeable components that allow hunters to custom fit both comb height and the length of pull without taking their rifle to a gunsmith. In fact, the only tool you need is a Phillips head screwdriver. If you want to find out more information about the AccuFit customization system, visit savagearms.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman podcast. And shed season is fast approaching, so that's what we're talking about today, shed hunting. Not only wild shed hunting, but competitive shed hunting. Before we had this conversation, I didn't know competitive shed hunting was a thing, but it is. So we had Amy on from Blue Clay Kennels right here in Ohio, and we talk competitive shed hunting, we talk training shed dogs, we talk best places to find sheds, uh, lots of different things in this one. And so I'm excited for y'all to hear this, but before we get into it, I want to talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. So Mastin's is deer scent company. They've also got some other uh, predator scents. So if that's something that you like to do in the wintertime, check them out. So, uh, you know, I know deer season is wrapped up here and uh, won't be starting again for a while, but they do offer other scents. So check them out go to mastinsdeersense.com if you order from them you can order directly from their website and they ship it direct to you so cuts out the middleman you don't have to buy it at a retail location where they're tacking on some more money so that's one of the ways they keep their prices really really reasonable so check them out again mastinsdeersense.com Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right. So, today on the podcast, we're joined by Amy Kuchenbecker of Blue Clay Kennels, and we had a, we actually, I, I told you this when we, when we spoke before we recorded, we had a listener reach out and ask us to cover some shed hunting topics, so that's what we're going to, we're going to talk about today, and they actually referred you as sort of the go-to person in Ohio to, to talk shed hunting, so that's how we we got in touch with you. So first, before we get started, I, I want to thank you for taking time to come on and, and chat with us. But uh, I guess I guess where we'll start is uh, if you could just kind of introduce yourself and and your kennel for us, who you are and, and sort of what you do. Sure. Well, I want to thank you guys for the invite and I really appreciate it. Sure. Um, but I'm A.B. Kuchenbecker and I'm the owner and trainer at Blue Clay Kennels in Kim Bolton, Ohio. We're in East Central Ohio. Okay. And so uh, the the sort of interesting thing that that came from this, I guess, was I had no knowledge, 
you know, when they, when this person reached out to us and said, you know, I'd like you guys to do, you know, cover shed hunting. I just assumed initially that that's going out in the woods and, and looking for sheds unbeknownst to me, there's a whole other side of shed hunting. There's actually competitive shed hunting competitions. So can you kind of explain to us, because, you know, I'm fascinated with this now because it's something I didn't know existed. So can you sort of explain how a shed hunting competition works? Uh, sure. Um, there's two different associate associations. Um, well, not really associations, but there is North America Shed Hunting Dog Association, which is founded by Tom Dawkin in Northfield, Minnesota. And then there is also the UKC Elite Shed Dog Series. Um, that's United Kennel Club. It's a, they're sanctioned events through UKC, and they are a registry title. So if you have a registered dog through UKC, um, once your dog acquires a title, then you will get a title certificate, and those initials will then be added to your dog's registered name. Um, okay. We personally have started competitively shed hunting a little over eight years ago, uh, and we've been going strong ever since. Uh, our first dog was 10 and a half months old when we started with NASHTA, and we did NASHTA from about 2013 to 2016, and then we um, entered into the UKC, and we've been doing that since 2017. Okay. And so I guess how is, cause my only familiarity with shed hunting is, you know, walking around in the woods looking for naturally drop shed antlers. So how, how is a shed hunting competition? Like how is it carried out? How is it scored? So with UKC, um, they're timed events. And there are so many planted shed antlers on a 50 by 100 yard course. So roughly the size of a football field. It can be different terrain, um, crop field, wooded area. Um, it can contain water, natural water resource. Um, and the 50 by 100 yard course is divided into six virtual blocks. So roughly 25 by 33 for each block. Uh, before the handler and the dog go to the course, they'll draw for what we call their empty block. Um, depending, of course, on what division you're competing in. And UKC has two divisions, which is working class and champion class. And we also have a youth class. Um, but working class, there are five sheds planted on the 50 by 100 yard course. Uh, five sheds that being one of those six blocks on that course are going to be empty you, okay. you're, you as the handler do not know which blocks empty uh, your dog has 15 minutes to find and retrieve back to you four of those five sheds uh, okay and working we normally don't do placements there are some clubs out there that do award placements um, but you just get a pass toward your registry title, your working shed dog registry title with UKC. Uh, five passes get you a working title. And champion, oh, okay. it's a little different in champion. Um, we do have top four placements. It's still 15 minute time course. And we have still have five sheds 
in that 50 by 100 yard course, but the dog has to find all five and retrieve all to hand. Or in working, they can just deliver it to the vicinity of the handler, like within about two steps. Okay. So dogs that are, you know, maybe younger or maybe, you know, I wouldn't say not as fast. uh, But we typically, as our kennel typically put those types of dogs in the working class. Okay. Uh, Champion, well, getting back to champion. Um, time is of the essence. <laughs> uh, the fact that your dog is at retrieving and bringing all those sheds back to the handler, uh, the higher their placement is going to be. So we'll have a first, second, third, fourth place, and then we have passes for those that um, don't make it in the top four placements. And of course, the quickest time would get first, and then it uh, just goes from there. Okay. Uh, and then we have a point system and champion. If you just pass and you're not in the top four placement, you get 10 points. An accumulation of 100 points will get you your champion title. If you oh, okay. first, you get 35 points, second, 30 points, third is 25 points, and fourth is 20 points. So if you're in placement, you're going to earn your title quicker than you sure. would got a pass. So are are you as the handler, you stay stationary and the dog goes out and works or, or is the dog on a lead or anything? Dog is off leash. Okay. Um, and you walk through the course. You're pretty much working as a team with your dog. Of course, you want them to be the one to find and retrieve the shed back to you. You don't want to have to do all the work. Um, but it, it's a team effort. And. Okay. You're walking through that course. You're looking. You're not allowed to run, um, but you can walk quickly through the course. Um, uh, and if you do spot a shed before your dog sees it, then you have to make every attempt to be at least 15 feet from that shed in order for your dog to retrieve it. Uh, okay. So, I mean, it's you have to stay within the course boundaries. Um, you can't you know, do any training techniques to get your dog to pick up the shed. Uh, you can wear a, um, a training collar, an e-collar on your dog, but uh, the judge gets your remote. So if you ask for your remote, you're automatically DQ'd. Uh, you can use a whistle, you can use treats to reward your dog if, you, if you'd like. But typically we're just out there trying to find those sheds as quickly as we can. Hmm. Okay. And there, so when you're when you're, I guess, on the course, are is the like the, the owner or the trainer leading the dog to look in certain areas, or does the dog know where to look? Um, you know what I mean? Like, do they? Well, I guess when they place the sheds, do they place them in areas that they would naturally occur, like you know, thicker vegetation and by you know, if there's a creek crossing or, you know, it, when you talk shed hunting, they say, you know, oh, check fence lines, creek crossings, et cetera. Do they naturally place them there or do they just try to hide them the best they can? They they try and hide them the best they can. In working class, the sheds are going to be more visible to the handler and the dog. Uh, and then, of course, once you get into champion class, those, sh- those sheds are going to be a lot harder to uh, visually see. You know, you, you may find one that you're going to be able to, like, just spy as you're walking through the course but 
Um, and we, you can use sheds as small as like a year and a half old shed deer. And they're going to be hid under leaves or, you know, up alongside trees or down in dry creek beds or, you know, typically, I mean, depending on what, how the clubs have for courses, you know, the, the type of terrain they have is going to determine uh, where, the, you know, they're going to hide the sheds on that course. We try and make it so that it's best for the dog's safety. So there's no like wire fencing up or anything like that in the area. Nothing that, you know, I mean, because those dogs are ranging out. They're working on their own. They're not sticking by their hand. Their okay. handler, you know, at the starting gate and just in block one, as we call it. And their dog could be clear down the other end of the course, you know, hunting for antlers. That's why we call it a team effort because, you know, they're really covering a lot of ground a lot quicker than what you're going to but we want to also look for them it's just going to make their time go quicker sure so this there's there's multiple multiple dogs or teams uh competing in this right i mean i guess you said it was timed the in champion it's a timed event so are the you know is the next team to go are the sheds in the same place so that here's how that goes. If it's a handler that's only running one dog, then every handler for their first dog that they're running is on, the, all of the shed plants are going to be exactly in the same location. But the other handlers don't know that. And your blocks are not always going to be the same. Your empty block on that course will not always be the same. Oh, okay. So you're, you're still having to cover the course just as if there may be a shed in that block, but you're not quite sure if it's there yet because you haven't covered it with your dog. Now, if you're a handler that has multiple dogs and you run, you're always going to get a different plant for your next dog that you're handling. It's never going to be in the same location. Okay. And they vary that just for fairness. I mean, because if I went on the course with my second dog, <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I'm walking to them pretty much. <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's a is is there a little bit of an element or potential element for the dog to just be tracking the previous team, smelling where they went or or how do you I, I guess how from a training standpoint, how are you going about training a dog to locate the sheds and not just follow the scent of the dog that went before it. They are, when you train these dogs, you know, I, a lot of people don't understand just how powerful a dog's nose is and how they can break down scents and layers. So they're trained on that one particular scent, which is a shed antler. And there may be dogs out there that, you know, when they're starting to be trained on shed antler recovery, that uh, they may track the owner's footsteps or, you know, a, another person's footsteps or another dog's footsteps. That's that's quite possible. But once their training progresses, all that just pretty much sheds away. And they're focused just on that antler smell. They'll hit on areas where other, like another plant might have been. But you're just, you know, it may just be just a, a few seconds that they'll just mill around in those areas and then they move off. Okay. So if they know that it's not there, they're going to, you know, they'll eventually figure that out. They put that puzzle together and then they move off that area. 
Okay. So what kind of, is there a particular breed of dog that competes in this or are there all different kinds of breeds that compete? Primarily what you see is Labrador retrievers, Okay. but there's a multitude of breeds that have, that have and are competing now. Um, you know, another retriever would be the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, we have um, Boykin Spaniels, English Cocker Spaniels, um, Dutch Shepherds, Belgian Malinois, Poodles, uh, Pit Bulls. Um, we have a Rottweiler uh, that competes, Catahoula um, Tracking Dog that competes. Um, I'm trying to think that there's uh, Australian Shepherds, miniature Australian Shepherds, Dobermans. I mean, there's just a whole array of breeds wow, yeah. that compete in this. All right, you piqued my interest with pit bull because we have pit bulls, <laughs> and my dog. I've I'm by no means a shed hunting trainer or expert, but she just doesn't. She's not like toy or toy driven. She doesn't retrieve anything. Okay. So I didn't think pit bulls would have a chance, but apparently they do. <laughs> Actually, they're Michigan that one of the UKC judges. Um, she's a working titled. Uh, through UKC and hmm. apparently quite well I've never watched her run or judged her but apparently she does quite well uh I'm not sure if she's the only one of pit of pit bulls around that actually competes because uh, I don't go to every of the competition you know around the country but she's definitely one that I've seen hmm. out of it that has competed and titled cool hmm. so what so those aren't all breeds that you guys run. What what breeds do you guys sort of specialize in? We specialize in Labrador Retrievers and English Cocker Spaniels. Okay. And you you were telling me before that that uh, you guys had the first or one of the first titled English Cocker Spaniels. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have a. Uh, we have two adults and we have one pup here. Um, we have our male who's Buzz and Buzz um, was the first working titled Cocker, English Cocker Spaniel and he's working toward his champion title. He kind of took a hiatus for a little while. And then we have Luna who is my female. She's a little over five and she champion titled in November and she's just ran another competition this weekend and she was the only non Labrador retriever running in the champion class. And she did quite well for herself this weekend. She, these little dogs hold their own. Uh, so she's the, the first and only titled champion titled English Cocker in the UKC. And then wow. we have pups, pups that resulted from litter number two between Buzz and Luna. And he is, I think he's, Working shed dog multiplied times two or three, possibly. Uh, so he hasn't moved up to the champion class. Uh, his owner likes to keep him in working for more experience. But um, and they've only had him for close to almost a year. And in that year, in this past year, he's you know received his working title uh, times two or three. Okay. So a dog that is trained to compete in 
shed hunting competition can also be, I'm assuming, can also be used for shed hunting out in the woods in the back 40? Oh, absolutely. Every dog kennel is not only a competitive dog, but also a recreational shed dog. Okay. So I guess along those lines, uh, can you have a dog that is a a shed hunting dog, but also, let's say, like a, a blood tracking dog? Oh, yeah. Um, the Catahoula, she is um, in the working class, and she is a United Blood Tracker Level 1 title dog. Okay. Uh, she's down here in southern Ohio, and she does quite well. And then there's another kennel here in the United States that does both um, blood tracking. And actually, I think there's a couple kennels in the United States that do blood tracking. And also they uh, do the competitive aspect and recreational with the dog. Hmm. Okay. So you can, you can have the dog uh, wear multiple hats, let's say. Exactly. <laughs> okay. There, All right. There- there are a lot of people out there that don't, you know, oh, well, my dog's trained for this, so I'm not going to do that. But they don't understand that dogs are so diverse that they can, as you say, wear many hats. They can do many different disciplines. Okay. They differentiate that, you know, with no problem. Okay. So, so I guess from a, from a training ahead, standpoint, how do you, I guess if you're competing in both things, blood tracking and shed hunting how do you direct the dog as to what it's looking for that day command key so our our command cue for our dogs is find it find the bone a lot of people use search and i personally don't have blood tracking dogs so i don't know what their cue is um and also when a dog is being uh readied for blood tracking they usually use a harness and a particular leash so when those dogs know that that harness is getting put on that this is you know they're going for that particular game and not this one you know they're they can you know their jobs a little is going to be different for that time period because in most cases you have to blood track or track a deer on lead right in the state of ohio we have to um you're not pretty sure you're not allowed to track unless your dog's on a check cord or tracking okay so anything else on on competitive shed hunting that i that i haven't asked you about just because my my own ignorance to the to the sport um we do have a awesome uh youth division of course because that's one thing we want to do we want to get the youth included in this sport we want to keep them active in the outdoors you know we want to uh build their sportsmanship and um give them responsibility and goals to aim for with their dog if that's you know just giving some giving them something new to do something exciting uh we have a lot of youth that within this past year have now come to the competitive side and every event that we go to we're seeing uh our youth entries are starting to go up we just That's attended, we attended an event this past weekend in Indiana and there was, may not seem like a big number, but, you know, you look at from our first years of holding these events till now, 
And there were nine youth that competed this past weekend. And I think they were between the ages of seven and 15. Wow. That's awesome. And the nice thing is that these clubs, because they're all about the youth also, they're always looking at ways to bring the youth in, to reward them, so to speak, you know, to give them something to aim for. And this past weekend, there was actually an outfitter in, I think, Iowa that uh, donated a free three-day youth turkey hunt uh, just for a random draw. So youth come, they their name gets put, you know, in that hat, and it's a random draw. And a nice young man, I believe he was from Indiana, actually won that hunt. So he wow. gets to go to his parents, and he gets to go turkey hunt for three <laughs> every right. but his tags. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so I guess like- one more question I have. Like, how many clubs, I guess, like, you, you mentioned Michigan, Indiana. Like, does Ohio have multiple clubs, or is it, like, each state has one? And, like, how how far do you have to travel for this type of thing? Well, there are two currently in Ohio, Buckeye Antler Dogs down in West Union and Adams County. And then there's East Central Ohio Shed Dog Club, which is my club here in Kim Bolton. Uh, there's, and each, a state can have multiple clubs. So we have a club in South Carolina, um, West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri, Iowa, Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Idaho, Pretty sure there might be one popping up in Oregon if it hasn't already. Um, South Dakota, and there's a couple in Wisconsin. Um, a new club that just popped up a couple months ago in Illinois, um, and there are three in Indiana, and two or th- no three in Michigan. So there's quite a few. I'm pretty sure there's probably over 20 clubs, and there's new ones coming in all the time. Okay. So then does the club own, I guess, own the land that the competition is occurs on, or is that just someone who like volunteers their property or how does that? Uh, They can own the, they have the, you know, have the events on, they have to have ample room for multiple courses, uh, enough area for parking. Um, But you can also have them, you know, at state park, as long as you get the proper permits. Um. You can have them on other private property. Uh, you can have them at retriever clubs. Cool. I mean, there's just so many different places uh, that as long as there's, you know, ample amount of room to have those courses. Right. There are so many places you can have them at. Like I've had mine at Salt Fork State Park previously. And then we decided to move it here to our our home turf, our home property. And uh, we actually did a three-day event right around Thanksgiving. And we had, you know, of course, we have a handler or dog limit on our events with limited daylight. You want to make sure that um, you have ample daylight in order to run all these dogs. Meaning only a certain number of dogs could enter? Correct, like per class. Okay. Okay limit our entries because it is a 15 minute time limit 
And if every dog used, not saying that they would, but if every dog used 15 minutes of time and then reset of the, you know, that course, it's hard to fit, you know, a large entry into that time frame. So we just sure. want to make sure we have enough daylight. Sure. And we typically, you know, there are uh, events year round, but typically around, you know, when fall into winter into early shed season, um, that's when you're going to see a peak in the UKC events. We need to take a quick break here and talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. So Monster Whitetail Grub, as even though deer season is over, it's good to continue to have some sort of feed out for your deer, especially if you're looking to grow big antlered bucks, right? Your goal should be to sort of maintain their health through the winter so that they can start off on a, on a good foot growing antlers in the spring instead of drop you know their body and, and their nutrition dropping way down in the winter and they've got to recover all of that before starting to grow new antlers so if you can keep feed out like monster whitetail grub you can maintain their their nutrition and then hit spring they're ready to go start growing antlers so check them out monster whitetail grub you can go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors and find out where to order their stuff, more information on their product, and that sort of thing. So with that, let's get back into the conversation with Amy. So is it is it fair to say this is a, a growing sport? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Good. Yeah, okay. aren't so much. Like I said, with the youth, we had just a handful of kids our first year that competed and just this season our 2020-21 season because we go from May 1st usually till the end of April is what our um, our calendar year is for UKC but just this past season we've had 35 youth compete so that's a big hike for us yeah it's growing sport that's good. I'm glad to hear that. It, it, I mean, like you said, with the youth, it seems like a, a great way to get, you know, kids off the electronic devices. Like they get to go out with their dog and, and, you know, compete in something like that, get some outside. And it, it just seems like a good, uh, good, wholesome fun. <laughs> and the nice uh, thing go to these events too, these people, we work to get sponsors for our event. For our event. You know, um, Vortec is a big sponsor for the UKC Shed Dog events. Uh, Yukonuba is our, one of our official sponsors. Okay. Um, and, you know, they donate things to each event for giveaways or, you know, just in general, just for your handlers. If you have like a swag bag or something of that nature that you give to each handler. So, you know, there's nice things that you can get when you go also just not earning your title plus the camaraderie that you get with these you know with our shed we consider everybody in the sport family everybody gets along they always help each other it's just a really fun atmosphere yeah we have so, get togethers at the event where they provide food and lunch and uh may go out to dinner you know especially with covid of course we haven't been able to really go out too much yeah. so it's been uh 
you know, having little get togethers at the location that the event is and, you know, having a nice dinner. And That's just good. Like, talking yeah. dog, talking life. <laughs> sure. So it, is this something that, you know, somebody that's not competing, if they wanted to come watch, is, are these events open to the public, let's say? Uh, yes, they are. We do try and put a spectator area in. Okay. And if you get to know some of the handlers, there are quite a few of us that if you would like to walk behind us and the judge and watch the run to get like a bird's eye view from it, uh, then you can do that. Okay. Just as long as you're not interfering on the course, you're staying close to us. You can go ahead and walk through the course and see what it's all about. And, it, you know, we've actually brought quite a few people in by allowing that to happen. And then the other nice thing is that, um, once again, with the youth, if there are children that don't have a dog to run, there's a lot of us that will say, hey, you know, if you want to see if they like it, go ahead and bring them and they can run our dog. And a lot of the the events, the, the entry fee for youth would be free. Okay. So I guess that kind of leads nicely into my next question. If somebody is listening to this and says, wow, this sounds like a lot of fun. I, you know, I'd like to get started in this. You know, where would you point people to get started in, in this kind of stuff? Um, well, first, I mean, if they want to go and find out uh, the events calendar to see if there's an event in their location, so they can go and, you know, talk to people there, get a feel for it, see what the courses are like, you know, watch a dog run. You can go to ukcdogs.com and then you'll go to the uh, hunting portion. And then there's a tab for the Elite Shed Dog Series. And they have a list of news and events and standings and results, uh, club contacts, officials. But if they go to the events calendar, there's new events that will pop up all the time. So they can always go and contact the club in their area if there is one in their area or close to them. And they can talk to the contact there to find out when their next event might be or if they're having a training day. And, you know, a lot of those people... Uh, are more than willing to um, give advice and help any way they can to get you involved. Okay. All right. So I guess uh, if there's nothing else that that I, you know, like I said, that I've missed just from <laughs> from sheer ignorance of the sport, do um, you think we could talk, um, what, how do you refer to it, recreational shed hunting? Is that how you... Yep, that's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So let's say somebody has a dog, maybe isn't interested in in competitive shed hunting, but wants to start using their dog to to try to help them find, you know, maybe they own a piece of property and and they want to try to find the sheds from, you know, from the bucks they have on their whatever, 40 acres, 80 acres, whatever they've got. Um, where would you, how, how, how does somebody start that process of, of teaching a dog to find sheds? Well, um, they could either a, uh, find a local trainer to help them. 
uh, send the dog off to a trainer or they can utilize the vast array of videos and social media pages in order to get advice. But um, what I would suggest is you always want to keep it fun. You always want uh, the dog wanting more. Um, we start here with our pups typically don't start training until six months of age. Okay. But prior to that, you know, we'll play fetch with a shed or a shed with a tennis ball on it or, you know, um, a tennis ball with uh, training scent on it that we actually use during our training sessions and during our competitive uh, portions of things, too. But you, you're just getting them excited about the retrieve with that particular object. Um, I really don't want to like give away my, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's, I understand that if you've got <laughs> proprietary techniques, that's yeah. I'm not asking you to disclose your secrets. I mean, I would just say pretty much, um, if it's a puppy, you never want to, you never want them to get bored. You always want them to be wanting more. So okay. you have like a 12 or 13 week old puppy. You want to keep your session short. Okay. Uh, if it's an older dog, of course, you can lengthen out your sessions. You still want to stop that session before the dog gets bored with what he's doing because you always want them to be, you know, wanting to do more of that. Uh, okay. You always have to keep things simple to start and then progress into the harder aspects of the training. Um, never go beyond uh, what the dog's capable of. And you always want them to have success in that particular training session, no matter, no matter what type of training you're doing, whether it be waterfowl or upland or shed antler training, you always want them to end on a good note. Okay. Uh, we just like, we'll start puppies out here in the house, uh, sitting in a hallway, throwing a tennis ball or, you know, tied up sock or a little toy, a little bumper down a hallway for them to retrieve. You know, you five retrieves maybe, and then you're done for the night. Then you can work on other things too, play sport training. Uh, so you're uh, incorporating sit and stay on those play sports. And uh, there's a lot of little things you can do while you're still in the home with the puppy before you, you know, really move into the heavier training aspects of things. Um, you can hide it around your furniture. You can hide under your dining room table. Um, downstairs uh, and have it in an open area where it's visual. You always want to make sure a lot of people, they bypass that. They always go to hiding the shed so the dog can't see it. But visual is a big thing because a lot of dogs are going to visually see that shed when they're out, you know, when you're out shed hunting with them rather than smell it first. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of sight and second scent recognition here whenever we train. Uh, if it's nice out, you can move out into your mode, mode lawn and, you know, do little retrieves or, uh, take the shed out there. So it's visible and, you know, tell the dog, find it or search or whatever your cue would be. Um, and just, just have fun with them. And then, you know, once they've completed that task and you've seen that they're continually having success with that, then you can go ahead and move it into a little heavier cover and then just progress, you know, go out for little walks and, and the woods or down your four wheeler trail or 
even, you know, one of the local walking trails in your area, you can take a little shed with you and like drop it on the ground behind you as you're walking and then bring the dog back on it. So they're having that success, you know, it just make it fun. And it's, it's not complicated to train your dog for sheds. It's relatively easy. And I'm not saying that because, you know, I, I've trained all these dogs, but it, it really, it, it isn't that hard. Majority of the dogs that I get in for training here, it's, you know, the people, they have very busy lives and they don't have the time to put in every day to make sure, sure it's training. But I'm sure that they'd be fully capable of doing it at home. Well, that's encouraging. So it, it sounds like you, you do offer training services there. People can bring their dogs to you and, and you'll work with them. Yeah, actually, we have a program here. Our, our program typically runs three months and we incorporate a lot more than just shed, you know, shed antler training. Um, we do basic on dog obedience. We crate train, we collar condition. Um, we hold condition to make sure that the dog has a good retrieve to hand. They're not dropping things on their way back to you. Uh, you know, real wood scenarios. We take the dog out not only on our own property, but off property. Also, we acclimate them to different terrain, um, you know, different locations, crop fields, heavy wooded areas, um, creek beds, like, you know, edges of like shores of lakes and things like that. We incorporate a lot. So that's why our program does take that long. But there's times we've had dogs here, you know, for a less amount of time because they've moved quickly through the, through the program. Okay. So the program is like an in-house program. You keep that dog for the entire three months or do they bring the dog daily nine to five or how does that, I have no idea how dog training even works. (laughs) Comes here and stays for the entire, for the duration of the training. Okay. Have you ever had a dog, um, sort of, uh, I'll say, flunk out because of you know i don't know behavioral issues didn't get along with the other dogs or any any kind of issues like that um i've had dogs flunk out just because they don't have that retrieve desire okay which i absolutely do not like to have that happen um i you know i try and go by what the owner tells me but even so you know they come into a different situation they may not adjust to the kennel life they may be very nervous and anxious and they just can't focus. And I'm not going to put a dog through that type of scenario. You know, I'd rather them be comfortable, enjoy where they're at and have fun. That's what they're here to do. They're, they're training to do a fun sport. So I have had dogs that I've, you know, have put work into, but they're just not progressing and I've had to send them home. Okay. So here's a sort of a, selfish question how do you train the release i guess because my dog you know i i don't we don't do shed hunting with my dog but you know throw the ball she'll go get it but then once she has it it's hers she does not i mean she'll come she'll come to you and sit but if you reach down for the ball she turns her head away turns her head away turns her you know like she does not want you to have it (laughs) how do you train the release Um, so she doesn't run the other direction with it. She just turns her head. Yeah. She's not playing the game of cat and mouse with you. Uh, maybe. 
So a good way to eliminate that is a check cord. So you have her on a 20 or 30 foot leash. Uh, you would go ahead and toss the retrieve, have her in a sit, send her out there on that retrieve. She'll go out, retrieve the ball or the shed or the bumper. And then you would call her back. And at the same time that you're calling her back, you're reeling her back in with that check cord. Because you have control over that dog at that point. And then um, you'd be able to then grab her by her collar and then, you know, remove the item from her her mouth. That She'd have no way of getting away from you at that point. Because you have total control over her because you have her on a leash. Okay. Yeah, because once I get my hand on it, I mean, she'll she'll hang on to it for a second once I, you know, once I get my hand on it. But once she realizes I have it, she'll 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 let go. Right. Yeah. So I would definitely suggest the check cord. Okay. All right. So. I guess continuing in the vein of. Recreational shed hunting. Let's say I mean, because it seems like you're at a. A great advantage if you have a a trained shed dog as far as finding sheds. So somebody like yourself who, you know, obviously has very well-trained shed dogs. What advice could you give to us um, (laughs) non-initiated folks that don't have shed dogs in, in as far as finding sheds just a person out there looking for sheds, any tips or anything like that you could offer? Well, of course, you know, if you're a white tail hunter in the first place, you're already going to know where your deer, you know, of course, maybe not on private or public land, but on private land, definitely you would know where your, 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 uh, your deer travel, um, from bedding to feeding areas, uh, crop fields, hay fields, um, fence rows. Um, those are definitely areas that you want to hit on first. Uh, so, you know, south, southern facing hillsides. I actually just found a deadhead with one of my uh, training dogs last, was it last Sunday, I believe. And that was on a southward facing slope. Granted, it wasn't a shed antler, but still, sure. you know, um, and we have found sheds on the you know those southern facing slopes too uh crop fields the hay fields definitely um and they were actually traveling from a bedding area to a feeding area uh so i mean typically like if you're if you're um tracking your deer's patterning your deer you know where they're going where they're coming from for the most part, as long as you're filling your feeders or you have food plots in, those deer, I would think, would keep the same pattern. Uh, and, of course, we don't start shed hunting here until mid to late February. If I'm out in the woods now shed hunting, it's because I'm out training a dog. It's not necessarily that I'm out, like, doing any hardcore shed hunting. Okay. But we, don't, um, we actually try and stay off of our property altogether. <laughs> where we know for sure that the the deer are moving continuously all the time. Uh, We don't want to push them out of those areas and then shed elsewhere. Right. Okay. So, I mean, just 
like I said, your crop fields, your food plots, your bedding areas, your feeding areas, those types of place, fence rows, um, you know, just your typical areas that um, everybody says that you should definitely look for. Sure. Sounds like yeah. the the old 80-20 adage is, is probably at play. You're going to spend 80% of your time in 20% 20 of your spots, right, where, where you're most likely to find sheds. Oh, yeah. And, like, I know I went shed hunting one time with this young man up in uh, northeast Ohio, and we got in a swampy area. And I couldn't believe how many sheds we found down in that swampy area. Huh. I, would, well, I typically would be like, I don't want to lay in that wet stuff. But yeah. find it with that big reed grass, you know, or maybe it's just really good sheltering down there. But definitely found quite a few down in there. And I actually shed hunted with an outfitter he, down in Guernsey County last year, last shed season, uh, cow pastures. I think there was quite a few bachelor uh, bucks that, and just like a dip in the cow pasture where they had good shelter from the wind and there was five sheds in one spot. Wow. And also in like wet areas uh, where water may have like, ravines type thing not like deep ravines but uh i guess pinch points maybe is what you might call them okay okay so when you have one of your like i mean if you have your champion dog out she's finding a hundred percent of the sheds or night you know i mean like how confident are you that she's finding all of them i'm a lot of people have a big misconception that you know, you take your dog out, and if there's a shed out there, they're going to find it. Well, they can't find it unless they smell it or see it. So if they're not in the right wind or okay. they're not comfortable for those sheds, they're not going to find them. So I would say that a person that has a shed dog versus just them shed hunting solo, their dog's probably going to find 50% more sheds for them than they would normally find. Okay. I have a, I had a client that has two of our dogs in Kansas. And now we know Kansas is a plentiful state for big bucks. And his typical take for shed season would be 175 sheds. And that's just him, his wife, and his son. So three people for the season, 175 sheds is, has been his high. He took two dogs that were trained here one wasn't even a year old yet, and the other one, I believe she was just two, and his take for last season was uh, 420 sheds. Holy smokes. Wow. So, and, you know, that's not going to ring true every t for everybody. It's location, you know. Right. Um, of course, in those, in those areas where the deer are a lot more plentiful. Uh, you have bigger bucks, more bucks, uh, you're going to find more. Um, you know, here in Ohio, there are a lot of areas that are very plentiful, and then there are areas that aren't. You know, uh, our vegetation here compared to the western portions of the state, such as like Colorado or Utah or, you know, um, Nebraska maybe, those particular areas the shed hunting might be a little, I'm not going to say it's easier, but if you have your binos and your glassing, you're going to be able to see those bright white sheds out there versus here. 
say in Ohio, you know, we've got these down here, up and down hills and deep ravines and heavy wooded areas. And of course, we all know the dreaded multiflora rose. <laughs> <laughs> we have thick areas and it's going to be a little bit more difficult for not only a person, you know, but a person with a dog they're going to be able to get into those harder to reach areas, but it's still going to be difficult or, you know, you might hit the jackpot. I think it just all depends on region. Okay. Man, I'm happy if I find one. (laughs) 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 So I guess uh, what are, and it sounds like you, you, you may have touched on it a little bit, but what's, I guess I'm looking for like wild or interesting shed hunting stories. So, so what's the, what's the strangest place you've found a shed? Um, I wouldn't say that I've ever found one in a strange place. Okay. Uh, you know, I've always found them on hillsides, um, fence rows, the normal places you'd normals. I've, I did have a dog out last year at Salt Fork State Park. I was in their hunting area and we had walked down. uh, It was actually kind of like on the corner of private property and Salt Fork. So I was just coming back up along, you know, the boundary. And I, the dog, I don't even remember how old he was. He might only been like nine or 10 months old, but we started walking up along that tree line and I just glance over and and like a bunch of these little sapling weed type things just sticking up. There's just a little year and a half old shed just like plopped right down in there. Hmm. That's probably this, you know, the oddest that I've ever found. But uh, my husband has some good stories. I do know that. Maybe not of odd places, but hunting with our, our boy Chip. And he's probably two and a half, three years old. And he's in a Creek just running like a madman. And my husband thinks he's just down there messing around and he gets a little ticked off at the dog. Cause he's not thinking that he's not hunting like he should be. Sure. And next thing you know, here comes big chip out with a shed out of that Creek bed. <laughs> so wow. you know, all that playing and actually he found something. Yeah. Right. Cause that was the question I was going to ask Cause a lot of times I'll find sheds you know, at creek crossings and they'll be mostly submerged. And I was going to say, you know, do the dogs pick up on that or does that kind of fool them? It, it depends on the dog and it depends on how powerful their nose is, is. And if they've been trained on water retrieves, uh, but like here at our kennel, we do train for that, but I've seen dogs that, you know, you can throw a shed you know, out in the pond and they'll dive down for it. Wow. I mean, like I said, dogs, their noses are so powerful. And I use this analogy sometimes that if we walk into a house and I know people are probably going to be like, Oh, we've heard this one before from you. But if I walk into a house and you know, my daughter or whatever, make chicken noodle soup and I smell chicken noodle soup. But when a dog walks in and they're like, oh, it's chicken noodle soup, then it's, oh, it's chicken, it's carrots, 
it's bouillon, you know, it's salt, it's pepper. They break everything down in layers. They can, sp- they can smell, you know, way better than, yeah. than we can. And like our scent receptors are the size of a postage stamp in a human. A dog scent receptors are the size of a eight by 10 or eight by 11 piece of paper. So they have, they can take so oh. much we can. Yeah, I, I think that's hard. Like, it's, I mean, even hearing that, it's it's like hard to wrap your head around what that actually translates to. You know, I mean, just how do we're not even on the same planet as far as it comes, you know, as far as it goes with scent compared, you know, human ability to smell versus a dog's ability to smell. Exactly. You know, you have these um, these dogs that are trained on specific scents, such as, you know, a drug detection dog or a bomb detection dog. And, I mean, you look at the fact that they work in a heavy, heavy populated areas with tons of different smells, perfumes, soaps, oils, you know, just in general, everything that's out there in our world, but they are breaking those down because they're trained on that one specific scent. So they hone in on that. Sure. So the same analogy you know, with bomb detection or drug detection dogs, as it is with shed antler, they're trained for that one specific scent. It just, you know, they, they know they're going to get that big reward when they find that and bring that back to you. And the reward that we give them is that praise and that love and that excitement that, Hey, you found, you know, the crown jewel type thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so a few more questions. What's the what's the biggest shed you've ever found? Seventy one and a half inches, just one wow. side. And believe it or not, <laughs> my little English cocker Luna is the one that found it. <laughs> <laughs> and second largest shed too. Wow. And that was just a little. I think that was probably about maybe sixty nine inches. Maybe we never really officially measured that, sure. but. It's it's a nice shed. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I was so, excited. Was too. She carried it all the way back here to the house from where we found it. Oh uh, yeah. So on the flip side, what's the smallest shed you've ever found? The smallest shed that I've ever found was three inch, just a little spike, and I found it in a food plot here on our property. Okay. I was just walking around slowly in our food plot and looked down and I was like, wow, look at that. That's, that's a shed. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's the smallest one. That's cool. All right. So if, uh, if somebody wants to work with you, wants to, to contact you about training or cause you guys train dogs and then offer them for sale, right? Just dogs that you're breeding. Is that correct? We do. Um, we breed here. Uh, we have certain females, of course, all our dogs are health tested. So we have, um, we make sure that genetically they're clear on a lot of, uh, pretty, you know, stuff that you just want to make sure that the dogs are tested clear on. Sure. Uh, so we have litters occasionally during the year. Uh, so you, you, uh, can call us or email us and, uh, check to see what upcoming litters we have. Uh, and we also do occasionally, um, have started or finished shed dogs for sale. It's a rarity that we ever have finished because, uh, 
our dogs go so quickly. You know, if we had to start a dog, we would have to work it through, you know, a whole season of shed hunting is what we would consider a finished dog and them actually have legitimate fines on their own. Okay. Um, but yeah, our, our started dogs usually go pretty quick. Um, but puppies, you know, we have waiting lists for those. So if people are interested in one of our pups, they can email us or, you know, go to our social media page and get a hold of me that way uh, to be put on the waiting list for those pups. And, and what are those? Go ahead and plug your, your website, your social media. What are those pages? Um, we are on Instagram at Blue Clay Kennels LLC. Uh, we are on Facebook as Blue Clay Kennels. Um, and we, our email address is blueclaykennels at aol.com. And all of our information, um, my phone number and such is on our Facebook account. Okay. Anything else you want to mention before we shut it off? Um, for those that are interested uh, in having a dog trained for shed hunting, uh, we do I do definitely make sure that you get in early. Uh, whether you pick me as a trainer or another trainer, we have a lot of people that uh, wait till shed season's upon us. And at that point, um, a lot of us trainers that do do shed antler dogs are uh, pretty much booked. Um, so you always want to make sure you have your dog trained for that particular sport ahead of time. And then that way you have time also to work with your dog before you're out there, you know, before shed season's upon us. Um, if there's anybody out there that would like more information on the competitive aspect of things, uh, they can get a hold of me uh, through our social media page or Instagram uh, or even through my email. And, you know, they're more than welcome to come to our kennel and watch our dogs run if they're in the, if they're in the area. Awesome. And if they want more information on the um, UKC events, like I said, UKCdogs.com, Elite Shed Dog Series. And there's a wealth of information on there. And we do have our second uh, UKC Elite Shed Dog Series National Championships that will be in Whittington, Illinois at uh, Rend Lake. And that will be April 9th, 10th, and 11th of 2021. Okay. Have some great sponsors, some good fun, uh, a lot of dogs from across the country, a lot of people to talk to, and it'd be fun for you know, people just to come check it out if they want. Sure. All right. Well, again, Amy, thank you. Thank you for coming on and, and taking time out of your evening to come chat with us. Absolutely. And with that, I think we'll, we'll switch it off. I want to thank everybody for listening and you've got the best ways to get in touch with Amy. If, uh, if you so choose. So thank you. And thanks for listening. Okay, so that's it for this week. Again, I just want to thank Amy for taking time to come on and and talk to us. We appreciate all the guests that that take time out of their schedule to come on and talk with us. So if you're in the market for a shed dog, give her a call. If you you have a dog and you'd like to have it trained to be a shed dog, give her a call. If you want to get into competitive shed hunting, she'd be a great resource to reach out to. So again, 
thank you. And if you would support her, follow them on Facebook. And if you want, go check out a uh, shed hunt competition. That's going to be it for me this week. So as always, thank you all for sharing. Thank you all for subscribing. Sharing the episodes with your friends and family really helps us. So as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. Make sure you're following us on social. We're Ohio Huntsman on Facebook, Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast on Instagram. And check out our website, OhioHuntsman.com. And with that, we will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.